Welcome to the L1A Podcast, a space to connect, communicate, and collaborate for the advancement of the kingdom in North America and beyond. Here we will discuss the disciple-making movement that is happening in this Western context and the return to God's design for discipleship, church, and life. Uh, kind of shifting a little bit more to multiplying disciples. Uh, I'd love to talk about that, about how, you know, it's, it's different than adding disciples, adding on, and just kind of meeting together and adding more people. But let's talk about why it's so important to, what, you know, when you're in that making disciples, that they're, you're making disciples for the purpose of them making disciples, and, and it multiplies out and how important that is to, to make it a multiplication Yes. Yeah. Great, great question. You know, when I was in youth ministry at the, the local church, um, and I just started getting into the, this, uh, this methodology, this mindset, this lifestyle, as I started getting into this, I, I started prayer walking at a trailer park that our church was reaching out to and connecting with well, the biggest trailer park in Kentucky. And I, and I, I just was prayer walking and pick up trash and pray for people and talk to people and, um, as I was doing that, I, I recognized that we needed, uh, there was things that, that needed to happen. If we could influence the newsletter that was in this trailer park, if we could start Bible studies, if we could have uh, ministry to the kids, maybe some people um, playing basketball on a basketball court. There were so many things that needed to happen. And I just recognized really quick that I tend to, um, to just say, yeah, I'll do it. Yeah, I'll do it. I'll step in. I'll give it a try. And I would overwork myself really quick. I knew that I knew that that shouldn't happen. That I needed to recruit and invest in people that would do the things that I was seeing needed to be done. So I, I went back to the church and I said, "Hey, I think maybe we need to form a committee or something, or we need to form a group that would start doing this on the regular." And so we did that, and then basically that committee became people that were now all in agreement to telling me what I needed to do. So <laughs> it, didn't work, awesome, yeah. Yeah, it didn't work out the way I was hoping. Right. So um, um, I recognized really quick that we needed, I needed to train people that would, that would have the same mindset as me. Um, this, this disciple making mindset and would be working and doing things that would be uh, multiplying with other leaders in the community. And so as, as I went to, uh, went to downtown Louisville and was, was sharing, um, I started to, I started to ask the Lord for workers and he, he brought people that were, that, that were just really strong leaders. And, um, I started uh, some leadership training and, uh, and, and started pouring into them. One of the things uh, I've worked in construction for years and, um, I was a, I was a carpenter in the carpenter's union and I had a laborer that was working with me and he identified a key issue that I was struggled with. And that was, he, he started hollering at me and he said, uh, he said, man, you're just like one of those old carpenters. You won't let anybody do anything for you. You got to do it all yourself. And I, I was just struck by that. And I remembered that and that, that just like was etched in my mind. Mm. What what issue or deficiency or what what's going on with me that is causing me to want to do everything myself rather than allowing other people to help or training other people to to have the same knowledge that I've got mm. so that they could they could do it as well. And I remember somebody saying, "Hey, it's going to take a little longer if you bring somebody with you and train them up 
But once you do, now you have two doing the work. Mm. And once both of you do that, there's going to be four doing the work and on and on. And so I just really felt like the Holy Spirit was leading me to begin to pour into those leaders and train those leaders and model it for them and understanding that that I still need to be about the work of pouring into my neighbors, Mm. but equally so I need to be really about the work of training up trainers, pouring into leaders that are going to pour into leaders Mm. and encouraging them to say, hey, you know, um, you're an elder now. Hey, you're a deacon. Who are you pouring into that you're going to be, that that, that's going to be an elder or a deacon in the future? Who are you pouring into and who are you pouring deeply into that is going to take your place should the Lord call you somewhere else, mm-hmm. right? And and constantly raising up and pouring into the faithful, the, those that 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 are show themselves to be leaders. If we don't do that, then if we're taken out, remember, like I, I shared, hey, what what happens if one of those kids get caught in the crossfire and we're not here anymore? We didn't share with them, or we we didn't counted important. Well, what if we're caught in the crossfire? We're, we don't know how long we're going to be here. What if we have a heart attack or something happens to us? That was a question I asked the group. Hey, this can't be the Tom and, Tom and Stacy show. You know, me and my wife, this it can't be the Tom show. This has to be, what if I'm gone? What if, what if something happens to me? Are you guys going to keep up, keep this going? Do you, are you equipped? Are you, do you feel like you can do this? Are you doing this because the Lord's calling you or because because I was, you know, there's something that, that you just connected with me on. And, and I don't, I don't, I'm not assuming that I'm some great guy or some prideful leader. I'm just saying, man, what if the Lord takes me out? Are you going to carry the, are you going to keep doing what God's calling us to do? Do you believe in the vision? Are you, are you here? And you're going to, you're going to carry this torch to others. You're going to carry it to others. And we're going to be about making disciples. Um, so leadership development, pouring into the few that show themselves faithful, that we're going to pour into the few point deeply into those, it's really highly important. It's so important that if we hadn't done it, then we wouldn't be ready to move to the form in six to eight months, right? We wouldn't be able to do that if we didn't have leaders constantly being raised up and trained up and, and leadership being delegated out and authority being given and shared. If it's all about me, if it's all about a key leader or key leaders and, and leadership isn't shared, and delegated and, and given away, then once we're gone, man, the whole thing just crumbles. And so the, the most the, the greatest blessing would be that a year or two down the road, nobody knows my name, right? Nobody knows about me in our little group. But but they're all doing what God's calling them to do because they're listening and they're making disciples. And it's just rolling without me. And it's rolling without the key leaders now. Because there's they poured into key leaders who are pouring into others. Um, and I just pray that that would, that would be the case. Yeah, having that humility that you're not going to be able to do it all. You're saying it's not, I mean, it's not about your name or my name or anybody's name. It's, it's about the Lord's name. So one thing I'd like to talk about as well is what kind of sparked in you? I mean, what really lit that fire in you that there's got to be a better way than this? There's got to be something different that I can do to really break through that. Sure. Yeah, I think... Like, uh, like we mentioned that the catalyst was the experience with our youth ministry mm-hmm. um, and seeing, seeing the results of the, the work that I was doing and then hearing about the results of, of folks 
uh, like uh, like Coach Sargent and others, you know, people that have been on the field and just seen thousands upon thousands come to the Lord, hundreds of thousands of, of groups and, uh, and and people coming to the Lord. And it's just, I desperately want to, to be a part of and to see things happening that are producing fruit for the kingdom of God. That my, my, my family, my neighbors, the people in our nation, the people in the world, they they deserve to, to be able to at least have access to the gospel. The, the fact that 6,000 people groups, you know, are, are, are unreached and are, you know, around the globe, that's, it's not fair. It's not right. Um, it's, it's not, it's not loving that we would, we would claim to be Christian. We would claim to, to love God. And yet we're doing nothing or are we doing anything about that? Are we content with that? Are we okay with that? That just, it doesn't seem right. That, that we would be okay with status quo, with a trend that is barely and not even keeping up with population growth, that in the New Testament, the church can just explode, and now we're just okay with the status quo, um, and, and that, that there are people groups that, are, that nobody's going to because it's too hard or because we don't know the language for whatever reason. That's it's not a good enough excuse. There's there's no excuse to, to us not doing something about it. When I was when I was in youth ministry, I remember I was almost uh, proud of the fact to say, hey, you know, or you know, the, the scripture says that that you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and into the earth. Well, man, you know, what, are we even doing anything about our Jerusalem? You know, I felt like we're not even saving our own neighborhood. We're not doing a very good job with our own neighborhood, much less you know taking this um, this what we are doing to to the nations. And so I want to be doing what I am here. And I found out about the EMM. It's like, wow, now there's a plan. Now there's an outline. There's a way to reach my neighborhood. And Paul said in Romans 16, right, that I um, preached from Jerusalem all the way to Illyricum. And there's no other place for me to reach. And there's no other place for me to preach. Like, how is it that he can do that? And, and we can't even reach our own neighborhood? We can't even reach our own block? You know, with the gospel, man, what's, the, what's up? I remember the day, the morning of, it was October 30th of 2017. And I went to my wife and I said, this, this burden just hit me. And I said, did you ever think about, about those in the world that nobody's going to? Just nobody, right? Like, look, at, look at where we're living and, and how we've got it. And there's like a church on just about every corner. And if somebody really wants to seek after God, they can, but... But what about the places where there are no churches? And they don't even have a language where there's, the Bible's even written in. What about those people? Does anybody care? How is it that we're okay with those people going to hell and, and nobody even going? How can we be okay with that? How can we, how can we accept that? We can't. We gotta do something. And just and saying that I'm just going to take care of Jerusalem, I'm just going to take care of my own neighborhood, can't be an excuse anymore. We've got to, yeah, of course, we've got to reach our neighborhood. But it's not just our neighborhood. It's, it's Judea, Samaria, to the ends of the earth. Man, it's, it's my neighborhood, my city, my state to the end. Yes, it can't be an excuse not to. It's got to be an excuse to do something. We've got to do something. And so if reaching my neighbor with the gospel and training him on how to, how to reach his neighbor, to reach their neighbor, to reach somebody in our city, in our state, 
And who knows the inner city like inner city people? And who knows the country and countryside like people living in the country? Mm-hmm. And who best to, to reach people than people with like culture and like mind mm-hmm. can relate to them? So we, we can't give excuses anymore. Mm-hmm. We got to step up and do something. A couple things that come out of being dissatisfied, I think that one is, is knowing. I mean, there's a lot of things that you're saying about knowing about those people that don't know, and knowing about your neighbors, and knowing people's stories. And then also couple that with the heart for it, right? And, and actually, like you're saying, does anybody care? You have to really care. And and I mean, if you did know how many people need this and how many people are, are desperately wanting this and you really have the heart to care, then you have to be dissatisfied with the status quo. You have to do like you're saying. You have to be. We're called to that. And we have to go out and, yeah, I love what you're, what you're saying about, I mean, uh, Jerusalem, Judea, and all of it. Like, we're not called to pick one. Yeah. Right? It's, it's not like, oh, I'll take Judea, you take this one. Like, it's we're called to all of it, you know, and multiplying it out when it gets there. And so, yeah, that's a good word. You know, uh, we were doing life together, had been doing this for about a year and a half in the, in the city. And there was a, uh, an email that I got from a missions organization, and they said they needed 20 something missionaries to train the locals who were going to be going across the border into a closed country and making disciples there. And they needed 20. And I thought, man, I've been to that country. And we, we're trained, but we, we don't have the finances. Mm-hmm. And uh, we don't, this person hasn't been fully trained. And this person hasn't, has been trained, but they haven't experienced it. They're not doing it. And so we're just like, I just felt so incomplete. I shared I shared this story with our group that, hey, the call is out. There's a request. And we could maybe, maybe scrounge up enough to maybe send one. But man, what if we were all prepared at all times to go anywhere the Lord called? And that set a fire in our group to say, Lord, whenever you call, we want to be ready with funding, with training, with experience, to, to be able to go anywhere in the world to do short-term work or long-term work. And we want to be able to send our brothers and sisters from our community that maybe we just poured into to, to be able to, to go at a moment's notice. And so that that began just the, the preparation to say, um, we, we see the call, now we want to be prepared and we want to be equipped to go at a moment's notice. And I think that is, is important as well, to not just, um, not to say that you're ready, but to be ready, you know, uh, moments knows. Yeah. What can we do to really branch out and be innovative and try different things? And, and, and even if, even if that means family, you know, sometimes and, and moving forward, what, what causes you to take that leap to say, I'm going to try differently even if I'm going to risk it. You know? Yeah. Great question. You know, there's, uh, I remember growing up, we would hear stories about, um, uh, Bill Gates with, with uh, um, Microsoft or um, people in different different corporations and companies that they did something different and the the benefit was just insane. Um, renewable energy kind of stuff, you know, where people are just thinking outside the box and becoming better stewards of whatever whatever it is uh, that that we're entrusted with. And uh, I remember seeing a, a story about this little pump that you could place in a 
in a stream that's that's moving and it doesn't require electricity to pump water upstream. Mm -hmm. It's just a series of valves that would work a little differently, and, but it would cause just enough pressure to move just right. a little bit of water at a time up to a, a water tank. And and in the physical, I was seeing that if we if we think of things outside the box or a little differently than what the world is calling normal, if we think about things in a different way, then we're going to get some different crazy results that could be really good or could be really bad. Um, I, I took a, a, a risk at starting a business once, a little skating rink, and nobody else was doing it. And I thought, man, why is anybody doing it? And I, I got into it, and I found out that that risk, the reason nobody was doing it is because the market wasn't really calling for it, right? And, and it wasn't going to go anywhere. Um, and, and so we lost some money on that, uh, on doing that. And so taking a risk can come with benefits or it can come with consequences. And so when I looked at the Bible and I looked at Acts chapter 2 and Acts chapter 4, 2 Corinthians 8, and I saw the way that the early Christians were living and they were sharing things and they were they were sharing uh, not just resources, but they were sharing their faith with people. And the Lord was adding to their number daily, mm. those who were being saved. I thought, you know, there's something to that. Because right now in America, we might be adding to our number weekly, mm. but I don't know that we're adding to our number daily like the early church was. And I don't know that we're doing life in the same way that the early church was. I remember Francis Chan talking about how if, uh, if we were on a desert island, we were just to open up the New Testament and read it. Would we come up with what we have today and as a model? And I thought, well, what model would we come up with? What would it look like? Yeah. And yeah, maybe we've progressed and we've learned some things, but man, this is our pattern. And why not just give it a shot? Right? Why not? Like in Acts chapter two and four, this is the way they lived. And yeah, there's some some they they were struggling with it for a while after that with. You know, uh, were people working? They were persecuted. There was there was some need with the church in Jerusalem, but they were sharing everything. And man, they had the favor of all the people, and the Lord was adding to the number. And, and so, what if, what if we just did things a little different? Mm. And what if we took this this multiplication and took it seriously? And what if we just gave it a shot? What if we just tried it? Like, what, what is the risk? Well, we, we, would look, we would look foolish, maybe. We would look different. Or people would call us out. Or maybe we, we would be ridiculed. But what if, it, what if it works? What if it actually worked? And you've got hundreds of thousands of people coming to the Lord. We're not seeing that now. I'm not seeing that now. And, like, if I start this, well, maybe I can get, you know, maybe there's 20 or 30 people that would join anyway, and that's, a lot of churches are there anyway, you know, 20 to 80 people. And so I can at least get status quo if I try this. Well, what if, what, but what if it actually works? And, and I'm, I'm, I'm all in. And, and I can really impact my neighbor for the Lord. And I can really see them the same love that I'm experiencing with Jesus. They can experience that. And they'll share it with others. What if it actually works? I'm not out anything. I look like a fool. I don't care what I look like anyway. Man, let's just give it a shot, dude. Yeah. And then I, you hear stories about it working in these other places. Like, man, this is, dude, it's worth it. It is worth it. It's worth the risk and the potential, the possibility of people coming to know the Lord and living in right relationship with Him and their own family and seeing the transit and seeing it. They matter. They matter. And so, 
if we have to lose it all, it's okay, right? Because they matter. Because my kids matter. And my family matters. And my neighbors matter. And the people around the world matter. And the people that nobody's going to, they matter. And so, yes, yes, let's do things different. Let's give it a shot. And what I'm, what I'm seeing was the risk and the sacrifice that I thought I was taking isn't a sacrifice at all. It's not a sacrifice at all when my when my brothers and sisters who were working two and four jobs and just trying to make ends meet and they were alone and they were going home to an empty house and they were just spinning their wheels and they were man, the girls were you know were were cutting themselves and they were they were depressed and they were broken and just wondering what the purpose was in life. And God is this, you know, I got saved and this is what it's about. I'm just on this 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 hamster wheel of life, this rat race, what's it, what's it all for? Why am I here? And to know that, that all of us have a mission, all of us have a purpose, we're all gifted in different ways. It's not a sacrifice, brothers. It's an opportunity, it's a blessing to embrace your call, to embrace the gifting that God has given you and to use it under His glory for the salvation of everyone who will believe, right? <laughs> It's worth it. It's not a sacrifice. The thing about doing things different, I love that the Lord's made us all different. We're all different. And like that's that's a good thing if we're if we can come together, especially communicating and collaborating with other people as a discipleship network, you know, you have those people. And man, if if what if we all took those risks? What if we all try to do things with community with those people and, and be able to encourage one another to to speak up and, and not discourage people to have those different ideas and, and to step out and take that lead because you have people with you in, in that community and that are supporting you, you know, financially, prayerfully, all of it, and that are with you. And, and I think that's so important. Thank you for listening to the L1A podcast. If you are interested in learning more about this topic or getting connected with other disciple makers in your area, visit loveoneanother.life. Again, that's loveoneanother.life. Dot life.